Good morning. Tragedies and disasters are not uncommon at all in this world that we live in. And uh, these things do have an effect on each one of us. And uh, this disaster that took place in Kerala um, over the last few days has had a deep effect on me and, you know, because I, I come from that part of the world. I grew up there and that used to be home for me. And um, I don't think Kerala has seen such a disaster, you know, ever. And um, the expression of love has been amazing, amazing. And, um, and I was just riveted to the news channel, you know, all through the night and all through yesterday. In fact, I didn't start making my PowerPoint until yesterday evening. I just couldn't do it. And Sunu had to drag me out to the garden, you know, to get, you know, to get me going. And um, so, you know, please do pray. And uh, please do pray for disasters all over the world. And, uh, you know, it does affect, you know, fellow Christians like you and me. So let's, let's keep praying and supporting those guys there. So we are continuing with our series on uh, uh, the summer fruit, and uh, today my topic is cultivate self-control. And so my uh, preach uh, is based on two verses in the letter to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And uh, it's like this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So when we read these verses, you know, it's quite natural to ask the question, you know, why should I have self-control? Why? You know, it's not unreasonable. We should always ask. You know, it's a good thing to ask. So why should I cultivate self-control? Why should I have self-control? And to, and to know this, we have to look at the previous chapters in the book of Galatians and also the previous verses in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And um, Apostle Paul, in the previous chapters, you know, you know, explains very beautifully that salvation that you and me have received is by the grace of God. You know, it's all on the basis of what Jesus has done for you and for me. And it came out so beautifully during the worship that we were doing this morning. So we know that um, each one of us, everyone in this world, when we are born in a mother's womb, even before we are born into this world, we have this disease called sin. And it's because the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, made a mistake, sinned, and that passed into all of us, you know, like a disease. And this disease called sin separates us from God, who is holy, who is without sin. And but God, who is full of love, we spoke about his amazing love, we sang about his amazing love this morning, who is amazing in love, you know, he wanted to bring us to himself. And the only way he could do this was by coming into this world, being born as a human. He was born as Jesus. 
And then he went on to the cross. And on the cross, he gave up his body to be broken. His blood to be shed. And then, on the third day, he rose again. And God says, if you believe that Jesus is God, that he died for your sins, my sins on the cross. He paid the penalty in full. And you receive him into your lives, into my life, as my Lord and Savior, as our Lord and Savior. Then we pass over from death to life. And that's the gospel. And each one of us sitting here, we have gone through that process. And um, so I and you, you know, we were in sin. But now when we called out to God, God come into my life. He came. And I will ask my dear friend Tim to come and join me on the stage. He's going to meet my volunteer. He's being elevated to being the Holy Spirit. He's going to stand with me. So this is what has happened. I asked God to come. You asked God to come. And he came as the Holy Spirit into our lives. And he made us his children. He gave us the right to call him father. He wrote our names, my name, your name, in the book of life in heaven. And we are saved forever, forever. Nothing can separate us from his love. And then Apostle Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5.13, For you have been called... Do you want to take a seat? Thank you. Ah, that's very good. He's my friend. <laughs> Holy Spirit is our friend. Yeah, you know, we said, good. we thank God for being our friend. And so, yeah, takes it. <laughs> so then he goes on to say from verse 13, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, your and my sinful nature. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you cave in to your sinful nature, when you succumb to the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Dancing. <laughs> I had to do this. And other sins like these. <laughs> so what does this mean? What it means, you know, what happened in my life? I was in my, I was about 20 years old when I gave my life to him, to God. And he came into my life. 
And uh, I was so happy. I was so happy. I was full of joy. I went and told all my friends about this wonderful person called Jesus. I told the, the gospel story to everyone, to many in my hostel. But very soon I found out that the same things that I was plagued with remained in my life. Sit down. <laughs> Anger. Okay? I mean, I was a soft-spoken guy, but I had anger in me. I could have outbursts of anger. Impure and sexual thoughts, you know, flowing through my system was this wonderful chemical called testosterone, which most of us here, I mean, ladies, you have another beautiful hormone called estrogen, okay? And, you know, I hope you are able to empathize with me because you have gone through the same. And uh, luckily for me, the culture I grew up in was not that promiscuous at that time. And uh, quarreling, jealousy, selfish ambition, all these things in my life. I was not at all happy. The Holy Spirit was not at all happy. And I'm thinking, I thought I would be set free from this. But I couldn't. To make matters worse, when I went to church, you know, they preached. If you have sin in your life, you don't belong to God. And I'm thinking, ooh. I'm thinking, how can that be? Because I did give my life to him. I did understand the gospel. I know that he is my father. And then they said, you have to strive harder. Harder. I strived harder. But nothing happened. The more I strived, the more I failed. Then they said, you should fast. I've never fasted before, I confess. And uh, then somebody suggested, you should stop eating eggs. And meat. <laughs> That's a way to achieve control. I didn't do that. I didn't believe in that. I asked God to help me. I asked God. But I didn't believe he could help me. Because I thought it was up to me. That's what everyone told me. No one told me it was otherwise. I tried. And I was feeling terrible. I was feeling guilty. The Holy Spirit was in my life. He was trying to get my attention. <laughs> Probably he was saying, come to me, speak to me. Look at my word. He was trying to bring some conviction of sin, but I'm feeling condemned. And it's all in my understanding of the word of God at that time. I was feeling terribly condemned. I felt like a failure. The more I tried, the more I failed. And Apostle Paul speaks about this in the book of Romans very beautifully in chapter 7. Then I tried adopting the holy look. 
I'm a specialist in adopting the holy look. Actually, I could have made a lot of money, but it's obsolete now. You don't need it. Okay? And uh, so, this is what happened with the early Christians as well. Many of these people found the same things happening in their lives. And they didn't understand how to do. So what they did was they tried to separate themselves from people in the world. They closeted themselves in monasteries and abbeys. Okay? They thought, but God said, you go and be my witnesses in the world. Don't take yourself out of the world. But they separated themselves, built huge walls. And then they found they had to separate men and women. No contact with the opposite sex. Okay? And then they found that despite that, there were people around them that upset them. So they decided, some of them decided they wouldn't speak to each other. They would remain shut. So they did all sorts of ways to do this. But nothing worked. So, and I was going on like this for years. Nobody showed me the way. And one day, I read a book called Overcoming Christian Life by Watchman Nee. I don't know whether you've heard of Watchman Nee. And I read this. And for the first time, I understood how to live the normal Christian life. For the first time, I recognized the importance and the significance of the Holy Spirit in my life. Till then, I was like this. I was like this. But now, I turned my attention to... (laughs) Now, I turned my attention to the Holy Spirit. Okay? I recognized His presence. I recognized that I could not overcome the weaknesses in my life by my own. I believe for the first time in my life that the Holy Spirit could help me overcome the weaknesses in my life. And then I asked the Holy Spirit to help me overcome my specific weaknesses. Okay? And for the first time in my life, I experienced what is called the joy of Christian life. Till then, I was striving. I was striving. For the first time, I felt hope. And sit down. He doesn't want to let go of me. True of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? He's brilliant. And uh, I'll move my... Opposite happens, you know, Holy Spirit moves and be, comes to be a friend. For the first time I understood what Jesus said, if you know me, you will have joy and have it to the full. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And I found that nothing happened quickly, okay? But I kept believing and kept asking the Holy Spirit. And this is what we describe as cultivation. It's just like tending a plant. I do that all the time. So you do the weeding. You put some, you know, uh, water. You take care of it. And that's cultivation. 
And then lo and behold, things started to change in my life. Things started to change. I also put some useful, good principles in my life. You know, I told you about all these thoughts going through my mind. I made sure that, you know, I prayed to God, God, give me a wife. Yeah? That's a good principle. Pray for a husband. Pray for a wife. Okay? And I made sure that I never was one-on-one with somebody of the opposite sex. And that principle that I follow even now. So good principles I put in. And kept persevering. Kept asking God. And by the grace of God, I don't know how. I thought there were times when I would get sucked under. Okay? But somehow, he kept me going. He kept me going. Until it took me six years to get a wife. Six years. All right? And uh, for the last 27 years, she has kept me going. To say that she kept me going is an understatement. All right? Thank God for wives and husbands. So how can we cultivate this self-control? Let's carry on. In Romans 8, Apostle Paul says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. There is no need. I speak to young people. I speak to older people. It's wrong to say older people, isn't it? No. No. I'm old. Well, you can call me old. 53. I'm 50 plus. There is no reason. Okay? There is no need. Okay? Sometimes we think if you don't do what others are doing, what our peers are doing, then we will stand out like a sore thumb. Okay? We don't need to. We have taken the decision to be united with a beautiful person. God. Okay? God. So we don't have to. And God will give us the grace. God will give us the grace. We have gone, we who are older, we can speak to you, younger generation, younger people. We have gone through this. We have stuck out like sore thumbs. Okay? So we can only encourage you. You have a great friend in you called the Holy Spirit. He gives you grace. He gives you strength. He gives you wisdom. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. By what it means is that our Christian life will shrivel and shrivel and waste away. And then you don't know what you look like. You don't have the likeness of your father. Okay? You are something totally different. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Through the power of the Spirit, with the help of the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Hallelujah. So we are children of God. And we are led by the Spirit of God. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We are not weak. We are not slaves. We don't 
hide away in some sort of a closet like those earlier Christians did. We don't adopt a holy posture, okay? We are quietly confident in who is at work in our lives. We are quietly confident. Not, Not confident, you know, and saying, I will be okay sort of thing, you know? It's my confidence rests in my relationship with my God, with my King, with my friend. And it's only because of Him I stand, not because of anything else. Otherwise, there is no difference between you and me and people out there in the world. It's just the same. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So when somebody preaches and tells you that if you make a mistake in your life, you are not God's child. You know who you are. Okay? Who know you? I know who I am. I don't hide away. I don't feel ashamed. I I may have fallen five times. I may have fallen 15 times. But... I know who I belong to. Whenever I make a mistake, I say, God, I'm sorry I made a mistake. Help me not to repeat this mistake again. And he gives grace. Thank you. Thank you. He gives grace. When I fall down, he lifts me up. There you go. He gives me the grace to stand. He gives me the grace to keep going. All right? (laughs) Thank you. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Changes don't happen overnight. If we are children of God, then we keep going. We keep cultivating this relationship with God. And He does His work. He does the change. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And this is what is called praying in accordance with the will of God. He gives us the grace. He tells me, Ensign, pray like this. Pray for this. Pray for these things. Pray for this. Trust in me. Trust in me. And we keep doing that. I... When I married my wife, Sunu, I'd known her only for three weeks. And I'm thinking, God, God spoke to me so powerfully that she is the person for you. That's all I ask. God, I only want a Christian, somebody who knows you, somebody whom my parents can get along with, and I have to have peace about it. I had no other specifications. I had no other, you know, I didn't put any other conditions. And I think that's a good principle. Praying in accordance with God's will. He knows what is best, as we read later. 
And I said, God, how can I love this woman for the rest of my life? How can I? Genuine question. How can I? I can't. I knew I couldn't. Okay? So I said from the first day, God, give me the grace to love her. Give me the grace to love her. And Lord, that love that is in you, I want in me as well. And over the next 27 years, God has changed me and made my love for her to increase so much. Sometimes people make fun of me when I say this. <laughs> Yesterday somebody said, oh, you fall prostrate before your wife. You fall head over heels. I said, yes, I have no shame. I'm a victim of my own prayer. Okay? <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And the same goes for my God. I love him. I say, God, I want to have that love in me. Mm. I want to love you as much as you love me. Mm. I'm not ashamed of declaring my love for my God and my king and my friend. Mm. And why should I have any problem in declaring my love for my wife? I will declare it freely everywhere. Yeah. Okay? I can't but declare my love. Okay? And we see, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He is the one yes. who does the good work. He knows what is a good work that is needed in you and me. And he does it. Yes. He is the one who causes us to pray in the first instance. Yes. Praying according to the will of God. Yes. Yes. As we cultivate yes. this relationship yes. with him. Yes. Hallelujah. We are nearly there. And then we come to this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So when we spend this time. He causes these fruits to happen. Mm. I don't do anything. I don't do anything. What do I do? I cultivate my relationship. And love, joy, peace, mm. patience, kindness, mm. goodness, faithfulness, mm. gentleness, and self-control. Mm. There is no law against these things. Mm. We were not born with these things. Some of us had some of these things. Some of us are, look better than others. But God says, I will add more to you yes. if you are with me. Yeah. It's not by my might, not by my strength, but it is his doing in my life. It is his doing in your life, yeah. in your life. Yeah. As we grow in our Christian life, we change. We look different. Yeah. We start having the likeness yeah. of our father. Yeah. And we pray, God, I want to have the likeness of my father. I want to have your likeness. That's my prayer. See, prayer is so simple. I want to look like you, Father. I want to be like you. I want to speak like you. I want to act like you. I want to walk like you. And so, concluding, how can we cultivate self-control? Recognize and celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Yes. I recognize and I celebrate. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Yes. This is my act of worship. Yes. This is not only my act of worship. But this is my mission. 
This is my mission, declaring my king, my friend to the world. So my worship and my mission go hand in hand. Recognize that I cannot overcome the weaknesses in my life. Recognize that we can't do anything good. Jesus says, without me, you can do no good thing. Believe that the Holy Spirit can help me overcome my weaknesses. Despite my failures, I may have failed once, twice, five times, 15 times. Don't give up. Don't give up. Persevere. Okay? Persevere and say, God, I need you. Please help me. Help me, God. Okay? He knows what our nature is like. Okay? For this sinful nature to die... Fully, we have to go six feet under. Or the Lord Jesus has to come again. But when we cultivate this relationship, you know, more of him will be seen and less of the sinful nature will be seen. Ask the Holy Spirit to help me overcome my specific weaknesses. Ask daily. That's all you need to ask. God, help me. God, change me, change my heart, change my mind, change my thinking. Keep believing and asking the Holy Spirit cultivation. This is my Christian life. This is your Christian life. And God, as we go about doing this, God will cause his fruits to develop in our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you.